Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. So on the economy, inflation down, stocks up, but the Fed's going to tighten some more. I don't know. If inflation's down, why do they keep tightening, raising their rates? So we go to John Carney, Breitbart News Editor, Economics and Finance, and co-author of the daily Breitbart Business Digest, which is a must-read. John, welcome back. So CPI and PPI readings were lower than expected, I guess we would say. Question is, is it going to last? And the Fed seems determined to raise their target rate anyway at the end of this month. What do you make of it? Yeah, so the Fed is almost certainly going to raise in July, in part just because at the last meeting they told us, well, we probably should have raised. And (laughs) in a speech, Christopher, Governor Christopher Waller said, I would have raised, except I was still a little worried about the bank uh, crisis that had developed in March with the failure of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. So they held off then, even though they thought they should be raising. And so now, ironically, after all this time, you wouldn't you'd think the Fed wouldn't still be playing catch up. But that's sort of what's going on. They skipped that one raise and now they feel they have to raise in July, even though, you know, these these latest numbers probably don't support that. But probably even more important for that, I think, is we're once again developing this contrast between what the Fed speakers are saying and what the market seems to believe will happen, where you had Christopher Waller saying two more hikes are coming. And we haven't heard anything to contradict that from anybody else at the Fed. But the market is like, no, they're just going to do one more. It's the July one, and then they're done. And, uh, and again, that could be trouble later on if it turns out that interest rates are actually going up you know, faster and further than the market expects. But you're writing uh, in your July 14th, disinflation was broad-based, but you're also writing that the core inflation is still very sticky. And that, That's let's right. Take, let's take Christopher Waller, who's a very smart guy, um, Jim Bullard's protege, in effect. I want to talk about Bullard in a minute. But how sticky is core? Why is it so sticky, John Carney? Well, so I think one of the things is we're seeing that the easiest parts of inflation have come out. But if you look at the measure that I prefer to look at, which is median CPI, mm. that is that was at zero point. It's calculated by the Cleveland Fed, and it's been at 0.4 percent unmoved since March. So that's four months in a row now of unmoving median CPI. So I think what we're seeing is the stuff that we could, that was most easily affected by highest, higher interest rates. We were able to knock inflation out of that. But a lot of the stuff that will be harder to bring down the rate of increase in will continue to increase at too high a level. 0.4% doesn't sound like such a disaster since, you know, we were dealing with 1% a month, you know, not that long ago. But 0.4% is way too high. It will bring us, you know, far above where the Fed thinks we should be. So you think that the Cleveland me- measure of median CPI, I think it was 6.2, something like that. That's uh, right, 6.4. 6.4. So that has come down some, but it's still very high. Is that going right. to be sticky? Is that going and you know, should the Fed be aiming at core inflation? So I think that the reason why you need to pay attention to core inflation is not for the Fed's target, but just because these measures, core and median and trimmed mean, 
really get at something that you don't necessarily see in the headline number, which is the, tr- the underlying trend. So it tells you not just what inflation has been over the last month, but probably gives you a better hint of where it's going next month. So if it is staying sticky, it's telling you you're probably not making much more progress in the near future on inflation. Mm. But you do write uh, the Bank of America's article, um, the three-month inflation change, the number of prices going up is now less. In other words, the diffusion index is coming down. Inflation is less widespread than it was. That's right. And we are seeing a narrowing in that, you know, in inflation. We're seeing things like like some of the most punishing kinds of inflation that we were having, like food inflation, is coming down. I mean, it's hard to, for me when I tell people that they almost don't believe me. In part because when they look at something like if you look at over a two-year span, you know, food prices are up 15 to 20 percent. And so people still feel sticker shock when they go to the grocery store. But what I, you know, what is happening is they're not going up as fast as they were uh, compared to, you know, where we were last summer. You know, John, you should write a piece. The Hollywood writers, script writers who have gone on strike complaining about high inflation, reducing <laughs> their real wages. Now, Hollywood loves Joe Biden, but they don't like Bidenflation, John Carney. You should write a piece about that. No, that's a really good point, Larry. <laughs> I, I do think that actually a lot of the labor unrest we're seeing, not just with the Hollywood uh, writers and the actors, but across America, a lot of this actually you know, is driven by inflation and mm. by Democrat groups who are, you know, who are upset at the consequences of the Biden economic plan. Right, but those groups want to pour in more and more spending, right? It's a grift. <laughs> more and more spending on climate and everything else. John, let me switch gears quickly. Uh, Jim Bullard of the St. Louis Fed is leaving the Federal Reserve, uh, and he's going to be the new dean of the uh, Purdue Business School, uh, which is great for Bullard. Now, Bullard, I think if not the smartest, was one of the smartest guys in years on the Fed. He was also one of the most hawkish. What do you make of this? Yeah, I think we're losing a very important voice on inflation because Bullard also isn't a permahawk. He was actually thinking the Fed was going too far back in 2018 and 2019. So Mm -hmm. he's a guy who really could be counted on to give a sober, intelligent, and, you know, comprehensive analysis of where the economy was. And even though he wasn't a voting member on the FOMC this year, I think having him there and having his voice was very important, and we're not going to have him now. So his, I'm going to say his protege, Christopher Waller, who taught economics at Notre Dame, was the research guy at the St. Louis Fed. I mean, it was Bullard, you know, who introduced Waller to me, uh, and so Trump and, and then wound up putting uh, C- uh, Christopher Waller on the Federal Reserve Board, filling an open seat. But he's really going to take that slot. Waller's going to have the sort of Bullard slot. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting that Waller, the speech I was referring to earlier, where Waller said, you know, was warning, I'm going to have, you know, I'm in favor of two more hikes. I think that a lot of the past hiking has already come through the system, that it's no longer lagged anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gave that speech on the same day that Bullard announced his retirement. I don't think that was an accident. I think mm. he decided to, you know, make sure 
that he he was literally you know inheriting the uh, mantle of being the leading hawk on the Fed right now. Right, 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 right. John, uh, in the last minute or so, uh, recession watch. How do you see it? So I um, I'll note that. There's a big headline on the Wall Street Journal today that says people are pushing back their recession projections until mm. next year, which mm-hmm. is something I did quite a while ago. Yes. I said we're not having a recession until next year. I think that's still what we're seeing in the numbers. Um, there, you know, the parts of the economy are not doing well, uh, and we'll, next week we'll find out a lot more about how housing is doing. We get housing starts and existing home sales and home builder confidence. So I'm going to watch those numbers closely because housing has been coming back. And if it keeps coming back, that's going to keep pushing off the recession. What about uh, are we going to get industrial production and manufacturing production next week? Yes, we are. And that is been that is the, probably the weakest part of the economy, although there may be a boost from, you know, in the headline number for industrial production from utilities, just mm. because there's been so much heat across so much of the country mm. that, you, you know, you get these weird things. But don't pay attention to that. What you really want to look at is manufacturing production and capacity utilization, and I imagine that's going to be pretty weak based on all the ISM numbers we've seen. And it's, I mean, it's been weak consistently. I mean, I think we're in a manufacturing recession, Joe Biden notwithstanding. I think we are. Actually, that's one of the weirdest things is a real economic recession is when you get a lot of parts of the economy going into recession all at once. What we seem to have done is we were in a housing recession last year. Now we're in a manufacturing recession. But one of the things that means is that the economy doesn't grow tremendously, but, it, you know, it's, it's able to keep growing at you know, one to two percent uh, quarter after quarter. So I know people will say the economy is stronger than we think one to two percent. But, John Carney, i got to tell you, in my book, one to two percent is terrible, lousy, stagnant growth. This economy, by a vibrant American economy, should be four, five, six percent. That's that's you know, and I think these Biden-esque policies are you know stifling that kind of growth. You're right, and we long term, if we only grow at one to two percent, which frankly is the Fed's long term projection, that's a disaster politically. It's a disaster socially. It's a disaster internationally because it will mean the U.S. economy continues to weaken compared to other economies around the globe. We need to have policies and leaders who can help us grow at a much faster pace than this 1%. It's really sad that we think 1% to 2% is, you know, is good enough. It's not. Amen to that. Amen to that. John Carney, a Breitbart, co-author of the Breitbart Business Digest, must read every day. Thank you, John.